You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. I was not alone that night in the room. Although I found myself alone in the, in the basement room of the house that I shared with, with four other men, yet as I lay down to go to sleep, uh, it was clear that I was not by myself. Almost as soon as I close my eyes and try to go to sleep, I sense the ominous presence of evil in the room. <clears throat> the hairs on my arms stand on edge in my heart begins to beat faster. And I feel the breath on the back of my neck as I lay there in bed. As if someone is laying right behind me, staring me in the back of the head. I roll over in my bed, but nobody's there. I don't see anything. And I'm just thinking to myself, what is going on? What what is happening right now? Is my mind playing tricks on me? Am I, am I seeing things that just aren't there? But unfortunately, this is not the case. As I close my eyes, I once again, I see it staring me in the face, tormenting me. Tighter I close my eyes, praying that this evil would just get out of my room. For what seems like hours, I wrestle with this enemy, trying to stand my ground. I pray, I cry out in worship to God, I recite scripture in my mind, but still the attacks persist. You see, as as a young believer, I had expected some opposition. I had, I'd figured that friends might not want to hang out with me anymore uh, because I had taken on this new identity. Um, I, I, I figured that I would be pressured to continue to live in this lifestyle that I had, that I had taken on as I'd become a college student and as a college athlete. Um, I had feared that my family would, would feel animosity with me because of this newfound belief and faith that I had in Jesus Christ. But I was not prepared for this battle that I was fighting that night. I was not prepared for a battle to stand against the spiritual forces of evil. And honestly, I had never really given it a second thought. You know, I, I, I hadn't concerned myself with, with these things before. But I was concerned with the physical trials that we face and personal relationships that I would would be working to maintain. Um, But all the while, I was being blind to this reality of a cosmic battle that is taking place all around us. And then when, when we do become aware, and when I did become aware, we find ourselves thinking, well, what am I to do? How am I to stand against such a formidable enemy. Well, as we are continuing on in this series called Kingdom-Centered Prayer, today we're going to look in the book of Ephesians. 
in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And, and in this text, Paul wants us as the church and the church at Ephesus, as he was writing this letter to them, to understand, and God wants us to realize that we are at war, and so we must stand our ground. You see, the war that we fight is real, and the enemy that we are up against is no joke. Yet in the midst of that, we have been equipped We have been equipped to fight this battle. We have been equipped to stand our ground. We have been given an armor that God provides. And we need to realize what this equipping does for us. It doesn't doesn't make us independent soldiers. It doesn't give us these abilities to stand on our own. But it makes us dependent. Dependent upon the one who is equipping us. So if you will, please open up your Bibles or or power up your cell phones and get that app going. The words are also going to be up on the screen this morning as we go along. And if you would stand with me as we read from the Scriptures in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that my words, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this text. We thank you for um, the reality that you are a great and powerful and mighty and awesome king. Um, And we thank you that you do equip us, even if we may not realize it. Um, But this morning, as you reveal in your text, as you reveal in these scriptures, which we stand on as the authority of God, that you would make that clear to us, that we uh, we are equipped by you. And that there is a war, and we are needed to stand firm. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. See, we're jumping in a little bit here to this book in Ephesians, but in in this letter that Paul has written to the church at Ephesus, he has been reminding the believers of the reality of who they now are in Christ. And how that impacts their lives on a daily basis, from day to day, moment to moment. 
You see, in ancient Ephesus, uh, they had quite the fascination with the spiritual, with uh, the oculate, um, with the knowledge of the paranormal. And, and here in Paul's final exhortation in this letter, he gives instructions on the means by which we are to fight our spiritual battles. <clears throat> See, he's telling us and the church at Ephesus that we are at war and we need to stand our ground. You see, we need to understand, though, that, that this war is real. It's not just some imaginary thing that's happening off in this ethereal place. It's not, it's not a comic book fairy tale. It's not an imaginary story. It is real, and it is really happening. See, the, the battle that we fight is against the prince of the power of the air, as it says earlier in the book of Ephesians. And that is in reference to Satan. The enemy himself, who first entered into the story in the Garden of Eden when God had created everything and created man and woman in his image and said that it was good. And then what happens? The snake comes in. The enemy comes in to destroy what God has created, to destroy the beauty of what God has made. <clears throat> the war is real. And it's not only against Satan, but it's also against his spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We don't just fight one enemy. He has plenty of minions on his side that are working for him. And in the midst of that, the enemy uses real schemes because he has real power. As we see in verses 11 through 12, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. I don't know about you, but that sounds like, sounds like a real battle, right? That sounds like a real opposition that we are up against. It's not some, some mystic magic. It is something that's really happening. In our fight against these schemes of the devil, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not, we're not typically in, a, in an hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment battle against another person, right? But the attacks are always coming. <clears throat> it's against the rulers and authorities of the cosmic powers of the present darkness that we fight. It's against the spiritual forces of evil that we fight. It's an extremely powerful supernatural being that we war against that has a whole range of spiritual forces and a varying rank and authority that are on his side trying to destroy what the, the creator of all the world has established. <laughs> you see, in the, in the current days that we find ourselves, we can be sure that the devil is scheming against all of us. <clears throat> all of us who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, if you don't believe in the gospel, you're not really a threat, right? If you don't believe in the gospel and you're not working to advance that kingdom, then, then there's no need to battle against you because you're already on the enemy's side, right? You're living for your own passions. You're living for your own desires. You're living for what makes you happy in that moment at that time. You're not living for a higher authority. You're not living to serve a king. <clears throat> So Satan, he carefully crafts these assaults 
right? They're, they're personalized. It's not just like a blanket, I'm just going to buckshot out there and see what I hit. He, he is gunning for people specifically, and, and we may not realize it, right? We may just like brush it off and think, oh, that was just, that was just a weird coincidence, or oh, I just have bad karma or bad luck, um, but that's not what happens. See, some of the, some of the things that he does, uh, we, we can walk through them right now, and he's good at what he does, too. He doesn't just like randomly do things. So like some of, some of the examples of what he might do is like putting an image in our minds of something that is it's just tempting to us, but, but maybe we don't think it's sinful, right? Like, I go, I'll just, I'll just spend a little, a couple extra dollars. It wasn't in my budget, but, but I really want this thing. And so I'm just going to spend a little, a little extra here, a little extra here. Oh, I know that might mean I can't tithe this month, but I really want that thing. That's, that's going to make me happy. Right? That seems like a subtle thing. But God calls us to give him our first fruits. Not to get all what we want and then like maybe throw him some change on the side. We could also be exploring our sinful tendencies that we might have. Like anger causing us to lash out at a coworker or a friend or a bad circumstance. Or parents in the room. You're tired and you're, you're worn out and you lash out at your children because they just... They know how to press your buttons, right? <clears throat> Not only that, it could be inspiring a person to take something that is this truth and, and making it sound like a lie. Right? This happens subtly because it sounds plausible. It makes us think that, that you know, it's all right to do this thing or it's all right to do, to do that thing. It, it sounds good. It sounds like it's all right. But it's really dangerous. <clears throat> one, that, one that's <laughs> close to my heart is that God, uh, Satan can use the afflicting of bodily injuries, right? He's not just going to attack your, your mentally or attack you in your emotions, but he will physically harm you at times. If you know anything about my story, I've experienced this a lot over the last few years. And more intensely, as God has... has welled up inside me this desire to proclaim his word and to serve him here in this church. You see, I, I started this training program called Convergence that, that Royce leads to build up pastors, to build up um, individuals within the church, to serve the church so that God may be lifted up and magnified and glorified. And what happens that first time that I go to enlist in that intensive? My knee explodes so big that my kneecap disappears and we find out that over a 10-month time period, I went from having perfectly healthy cartilage in one knee to a pothole in there. This is unexplainable. I've had conversations with the surgeons. This is not normal. That's something that would happen over a, an extended period of time or a ridiculous accident that you would not forget. That's spiritual warfare. That's the only way I can explain it. Right? But not only that, that, that the enemy will, he'll send horrible dreams or demonic manifestations during the night that produce fear within us, right? The spiritual oppression of, of depression or anxiety or this, this tension within you that you just don't understand or don't know what's going on, this darkness that surrounds you and just pushes you down. It's an attack from the enemy. <clears throat> it could be something as simple as enticing us to lie right? 
It could also be inciting a series of horrible natural calamities that may take place that, um, that could be like the death of a loved one, the loss of one's home, or destruction or loss of property. See, all these things are tactics that, that the enemy uses to take our eyes off of the king, right? To take our eyes off of the one that we are supposed to be following after, and it puts the focus on ourselves, right? It puts the focus on our needs. It puts the focus on our ailments. It puts the focus on our relational conflict. See, these are real things that happen, right? These are real schemes. We can all know about this. We've all experienced it in some way. The war is real, right? Any one of these attacks could cause us to lose hope. It could cause us to fear. It could cause us to want to run and hide. It could even purchase to, to reach out to an old form of comfort that we may have had, right? Something that we know that God has told us is not good for us, that we should run away from and we should run to him. And we think, well, this situation just really sucks. I just want to feel good. And so we just, we reach out for that thing. We reach out for that thing that we know that we shouldn't. For, for the church in Ephesus, this very may well have been for them the case where they, they would go out and they would reach back to those old deities, right? See, the city of Ephesus was a port city. And as a port city, it had a fascination with magic and the paranormal. There were over 50 gods and goddesses that the people of Ephesus would worship, that they would pray to, that they would seek after to, to make their life better. You know, this is very similar. If you were here as we were walking through the story of Exodus, um, it was very similar to what they did. They had all these gods and goddesses that they looked to for higher power. They would pray to the god of the, of the river Nile to, to provide the fish and the, the, the longevity for their life and the fruitfulness. They would pray to all these other gods to, to get the things that they needed and the comforts that they wanted. And so how tempting it must have been for them as they were these new believers in, in the city of Ephesus and they were, they were trying to hold on to this truth to just go back and say, well, you know, I should... This is getting really hard here. And, and that goddess Artemis, huh, she really helped me out when I was in those rough times. Maybe I should just go back and worship her. That, that might be easier. <clears throat> See, the war is real. And the enemy that we battle against is formidable. And to ignore this truth leaves the door open through which Satan will attack. And he will come in and strike you. We must stand against this enemy in battle. And to do this, we need to be equipped. And so on that note, the war requires equipping. The war requires that we take on this armor that God has to give us. But see, the, that equipping that we do, it's not in and of ourselves, you know? It's nothing that we can do of ourselves on our own. It's not that we have created this equipping. The equipping comes from God, right? The equipping comes from the king, right? As it says in verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. See, God gives us this armor. And God gives us this armor so that we can stand against the oppression of this real enemy, in this real war, in this real battle that we are fighting. Now, you might be thinking like, well, well okay, I'd love to stand my ground against this enemy, but uh, how am I supposed to do that, God? 
How is this supposed to take place? Well, God says here we're supposed to do it by being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, the strength of what he has done. We stand against the spiritual forces of darkness in this evil age by the strength of the Lord. Not on our strength, right? Not on our own ability. We do it by taking up the armor that he provides, not by the armor that we think might work pretty well in this battle. God has already told us what we need, and he's given it to us freely. So I don't know about you, I, I, I could read this and I'd be like, all right, God, let's bring on these spiritual bazookas. Let's blow away these enemies. Let's get it done. Like, where's my spiritual tank at? Like, bring on the cavalry. But unfortunately, no. You see, this armor that God equips every Christian with, it's not flashy, right? It's not tremendous. It's not like spiritual airplanes coming in and dropping bombs. It's the basic essentials with which we stand against the evil one. You see, God, the divine warrior himself, calls us over to the armory, and as we come over to the armory, what does he give us? He gives us our weapons for battle. A belt, a breastplate, a pair of shoes, a shield, a helmet, and a short sword, like a dagger. And he says, go. Go advance the kingdom. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but in light of this battle that we have just been described, this, this war that we are engaging in, I, I might feel a little ill-equipped, right? Like, a, a, a sword? A little helmet? A breastplate? Some shoes? Like that doesn't doesn't seem like enough as we look at it, right? <clears throat> I'd be feeling a little ill-equipped. Yet in God's divine forbearance and his complete knowledge of all that we need, he has given us what we need to stand firm. This equipping comes from God. It comes from his armory. And there's a couple, there's, there's two clear distinctions here of the type of equipping that God gives us. And first off, what he gives us is he equips us defensively, right? Verses 14 through 17 say, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and fastened on as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation. These are all defensive weapons that are provided. The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, and the helmet. All f- there, there's five in all that God is giving here for defense, right? So we're going to walk through a little bit of them. You know, he, he rattles them off, so I think it's important that we understand what they are and how we are supposed to equip ourselves with these with these defensive weapons. How are we are to use them? So we're going to start like, like he did here in the scriptures, the belt of truth. You see, this is much more than a piece of leather that you might wrap around your waist to hold your pants up. Um, but it is, it is a belt that you wrap around to, to cinch up your tunic in this time. You would wear a full tunic to cover yourselves, but that's not a very easy thing to run around in. Think, think a dress, possibly. Like, uh, I don't know how many ladies out there, would you want to go into war wearing a dress? No, you couldn't run very well in that. 
So you're given this belt to pull it up, tuck it in so that you might freely move, right? And, and, and this belt of truth, it's the gospel. It's the truth of the gospel. It's doctrinal truth. It's foundational truth of what God has said about who he is and who you are in light of him. It's the foundation of, of what we stand upon in, in Christ, right? It allows us to, to develop the practice of speaking and living in this truth, right? Not living in our own accord, not living in our own desires, living by the truth of what God has said. It's like saying, check yourself. Are you convinced of this truth and of your new identity? Are you standing firm in who God has said you are? That you have been made alive together with Christ. That by grace you have been saved. And that this is not of your own work, but is a gift from God, right? And not only that, but that he has raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places, because Jesus has done it for us on our behalf. If you are a Christian, then you are a child of God. We can stand in this truth. We can be convinced of it. It has been declared of us. Not only the, the belt of truth, but then we were also given this breastplate of righteousness. Um, I don't know, a breastplate, right? Like, what's a breastplate? <laughs> um, a breastplate is like, it's like a chain mail, right? It covers all your vital organs. And so God, through Christ, has conferred to us a righteousness of Jesus upon us, right? It's no longer us that God sees when he looks at us. He sees Jesus. And this breastplate or chainmail, it's a piece of armor, and it protects all the, the vital organs, right? Like, like, you can lose an arm, and you can still live. Like, you can lose a foot, and you can still live. But, like, everything in here like, that's vital. You can't live without all this stuff. And so we are to protect that. We are to protect these vital organs from the enemy. You see, one of the foremost attacks that an enemy might use is to, to call into question our status before God, right? You say, oh, no, 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 no. You're not really a child of God, right? Like, look what you just did yesterday. Does a child of God act that way? But see, we stand on the truth that sanctification is a process. That God, once and for all, that was final when Jesus died on the cross, right? That wasn't like, oh, uh, he kind of died on the cross. He died on the cross. And he is process sanctifying us into his image. <clears throat> we have been given a complete pardon of our past offenses. And our integrity stands upon the king, not upon ourselves. You see, it's, it's important um, to have this breastplate, because I, I don't know about you, but when you're in a conflict and somebody says something that just like cuts you deep, like they jab and stab you at the heart, you, you don't think about how you respond. You just respond, right? Like if you just get poked in that one spot that, that just drives you crazy, you don't think about your response. You just respond, Right? I know the, uh, you know, another parenting one. I, our kids image us, right? Our kids mimic us. Our kids know our, our hot points. And when my kids push those hot points, I don't always respond in the best way. I don't always just, I don't always like pause and think like, okay, like I know they didn't mean it. And, and I know they're just like trying to get a rile out of me. I just respond, right? 
And so we are to put on this breastplate that we may be protected, standing firm in this identity that we have been given by God. And then shoes. Shoes ready with the gospel of peace. These aren't just like some trainer sneakers or like your kick-around basketball shoes that you might wear. These are intense shoes that were made for battle. These are like a, a football cleat or a soccer cleat. As you go and you stand, there are spikes that drive into the ground so that you can stand steady, that the opposition that comes against you will not push you back, but you will be firm, established where you are. You see, with, with the gospel of peace, we dig in firmly established to the gospel of Jesus Christ through which we have been saved. That is, that is what gives us the firm foundation, the gospel, right? Not any work of ourselves, not that we have like tied it on tightly properly. It's the gospel that gives us the firm foundation. That it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, not any work that you could have ever done. That it is a gracious gift of God that you have been given. Just like all this armor, it is a gracious gift that we have been given. <laughs> And we are given this perfect gift because of Jesus. Because of the king who came down, the perfect God-man, and lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross, pouring out his blood that we may be washed new. And then when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see ourselves, right? This, This isn't a complicated thing to get. Like, my heart was so happy yesterday. We were at dinner last night, and, and my son, we were having a conversation, and he was out of nowhere. He just starts talking about, like, well, God is perfect, you know? Like, there's only, there's only been one of a perfect person. That's God. And then he goes on to say, well, and you know, so that means that, that Jesus was perfect because Jesus was God, and he came down as God and lived a perfect life, and so he's the only person that could ever live right? Like, my son's four years old, and he can get that, right? Like, it's not complicated, but it's by faith that we are able to believe it because of the grace of God, right? And so we can stand upon that truth of the gospel. We can stand upon that reality that we have been given victory over sin and death because Christ died and rose victorious over sin and death on our behalf. A belt, a breastplate, and shoes. But not only that, we're given a shield, right? Now, this isn't like some, some little tiny shield that the Knights of the Round Table may have, may have used, or I don't know if you've seen the movie 300, a little shield like that. This is like a barn door sort of shield. This is like two feet wide by four feet high, thick wood covered with the hide of an animal, bucketed around the sides with metal that like you could stand behind and it would cover your whole body kind of shield, Right? And this is the shield of faith that we are given. Faith in the one who has won the victory. Faith in the one who has provided everything that we would need. And this, this shield is meant to protect us, right? As you're standing in battle, like you are getting everything thrown at you. You are getting fiery darts flung at you. These are arrows that the enemy would use. They would dip them in tar, and they would light them on fire, and then they would fire them off so that they would explode on impact and cover you, right? And we were given this shield that when they hit it, they just fall away. And it's like it never was there. 
See, when the trials and temptations of life come up, we can throw up this shield of faith, knowing that we have a Savior who has gone before us. A Savior who has stood the test on our behalf, that we may stand firm. It's by the gracious provision of God that we are able to do that. And then a helmet, a helmet of salvation. See, the helmet enabled a man to stand where in any other circumstances they wouldn't be able to. If you didn't have a helmet on and a sword came swinging at you, when it hit you, you were done. But with the helmet, it could graze off and you would still be able to stand. See, with our mind protected by a confidence in the Savior, in the gospel, we are able to stand firm, assured of our salvation because of the work of Jesus. Right? It covers all of us. It covers our thoughts. It covers our mind. It protects our sight. It filters through what comes into our ears. Helping us to live in that reality that is by grace you've been saved through faith. This helmet of salvation. See, the equipping comes from God, and the equipping is defensive. There's, and in this this defensive equipment, like, I don't know if you, you, you subtly got it, but there's no option for turning around and running in this equipment. Like, a shield doesn't do you much good when you're running away. A breastplate covers your front, not your back, right? God has equipped us to stand, to advance the kingdom, not to run and to hide. We are to, protest, we are to press on in this battle because we are given all the protection that we need to stand firm. But not only defensive, the the equipping is also offensive. The second part of verse 17 says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Five defensive weapons and one single offensive weapon we are given. A sword, a dagger. See, but this isn't any like puny little sword. This is the word of truth. This is the scriptures, right? Here in, here in this church, we believe that these are the inspired words of God, that this holds all authority in heaven and on earth because it is the words of God, and we can stand firmly upon it, right? <clears throat> this means that we are given to attack the scriptures, It's the most common weapon that is available to any of us, right? There is not a person in this country that cannot have access to the Word of God in some way, in some form, right? It's a common weapon, but it is a dangerous weapon. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and this two-edged sword will cut you from, from top to bottom in a moment. It'll pierce you to the heart, exposing the depths of man that we may be revealed before him. It goes to the center of who we are. That's what this word does. See, the war is real. And to withstand the enemy, it requires equipping, an equipping that comes from God, which is defensive and offensive. Now, at this point, the temptation may be to think that, well, I've, I've got this equipment, I can stand, I can stand against these cosmic powers of darkness, these spiritual forces of evil that are at work in the present age, these soldiers that are coming against me. But the reality is, 
is we are not given this equipment to stand independently in animosity from one another. The reality is that we are given this equipment to be dependent believers, right? We're not given this equipment to be independent believers. <clears throat> See, in this, in this time, you, you couldn't really put on all this armor by yourself. You needed some help to get all your armor on in this age. And so too it is today. We need encouragement to put on this armor. We need help to put on this armor. We need help in equipping ourselves in this way. But not only that, all, this, all this, these resources that you've been given to enter into battle, to fight against this enemy, they would be useless unless they were rooted in prayer. Right? See, equipped for battle, we must realize that the war requires prayer. Prayer cannot be optional. Prayer cannot be a, an extra token that we throw in when we have time or the availability in our schedule or when we think about it. Prayer is vital of the utmost necessity. As it says in verses 18 through 20, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. <clears throat> See, as people, our tendency can be to, to take credit for ourselves, especially here in our individualistic personalized American culture. We stand up and we say, well, yeah, I did that. I, I won that race. I, I, I rebuilt this house. I performed this remodel. I rode my bike that far. We think that we do it on our own. But see, what prayer does is it, is it doesn't allow us to take the credit. In prayer, we are acknowledging that we are not enough on our own. In prayer, we are dependent upon the only one who is able to do the work. <clears throat> See, we can try our darndest to, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and to get out there and, and grut on through and to get it done. But that's not the gospel, right? Like a, a few years ago, we walked through um, uh, the, the five solas of the Reformation. And I don't know if you're, you're familiar with that, but it's not sola, sola bootstrappa, right? It's not just like pull up your bootstraps and get it done. It's sola fide. It's by faith alone, right? It's not by your own grit and determination alone. And that faith alone is, is in a dependent reliance upon God. And part of that is revealed through prayer. Through prayer, we declare that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Through prayer, we give thanks for the salvation that we have through the blood of Jesus. Through prayer, we ask God to strengthen us in our weakness because we can't do it on our own. Through prayer, we lift up one another to stand in the battle against this enemy. As we seek to advance the kingdom of God, pushing back the gates of hell which God has declared in his word cannot stand against him, we need to be committed to prayer. 
persistent in prayer, standing on the authority of God's word in prayer. But not only that, praying with and for one another. God doesn't want you to just be out there on an island praying these prayers. He calls you to be a people coming together to proclaim his name in prayer, to rely on him in prayer so that you can advance the kingdom, so that you can go out for his glory, right? We pray with boldness. We pray for opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. So we've been talking about with this, with this series on kingdom-centered prayer. Josh, last week, even, even mentioned that, that God is, is doing something amazing. Maintenance prayers are important. Praying for one another is important. Asking God for provision is important. But if it just ends there, we're deficient, right? God calls us as a people for his own possession to be a nation for him that would go out and declare the glory of God, right? That's the story from the very beginning of the scriptures. God created Adam and Eve, and what did he tell him to do? Be fruitful and multiply and go out to all the earth. That's part of the great commandment, right? God told his disciples, he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of your friends or just your family. No, God said to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? You can't do that alone. You can't do it all by yourself. We need one another to go out and make disciples of all nations. The equipping and spiritual power that we as Christians need to stand against the evil one only comes through a relationship with the triune God. Not through techniques of personal grit. And that is why prayer is key. For in prayer, we humble ourselves. In prayer, we come before God and declare that we are not enough to do this on our own. That we are not able to stand on our own. That we need Him. And we need one another. It is only through the gracious sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one perfect God-man, that we have the power to stand against this enemy, to stand in this war. As we began this morning, I I shared a story, a story of a specific time in my life where I felt (sighs) this fight so real and so clear. And I did some of these things that we have just talked about. I tried to stand firm. I cried out in worship. I, I rebuked the enemy. But I was trying to do it on my own. I girded myself up with the truth of Scripture. I clothed myself in the righteousness that came from Christ alone. I had put on the peace of the gospel. I had put up my shield to protect me against the flaming darts. And I had put on the helmet to cover my mind with the truth of the salvation that I had in Jesus Christ. But still, the onslaught continued. I needed reinforcements. I couldn't do it on my own. So, exhausted and terrified in that moment, alone, I called my then-girlfriend, Anne, and I said, I'm terrified. I can't be alone tonight. Will you come and be with me? And as she came, and as she got there, and, and, and as she showed up, 
we prayed together. And as we prayed and as we together stood upon these truths of Scripture and as we stood upon the reality of who God is, petitioning the divine warrior king God who has won the victory for us, I just, I just felt this anxiety and this attack and this oppression just melt away. And I was finally able to sleep. You see, all of this that we have been given, it's not that we are putting it on for the first time. All of these armaments, offensive and defensive, we are standing in the shadow of the king who has went before us. You see, all throughout the Old, the Old Testament and the scriptures, the people asked for a king, and those kings had responsibilities. One of the first and foremost was to go out and fight the wars on behalf of the people. And they would do it from time to time, and then they would get, they would get lazy. They would get old, and they'd want to do what they wanted to do, and so they'd stay back, and they'd send their other people to fight it. But that's not what God has done. God is the divine warrior king who has come down and fought the battle on our behalf and won. He has claimed victory with the blood of his son. Amen? <clears throat> and that is why we celebrate communion each week here. That is why we come to these tables. We come to these tables to cry out to this divine warrior king, God, who has not only equipped us for battle, but has secured the victory on our behalf. The victory has been won. We are to stand firm. The victory has been won by the shedding of the blood of his son. Let us stand firm. So we invite you to come to these tables in prayer. Right? Perhaps it may be the first time for you. Perhaps even during this, during this time, God has been working in your heart to realize that, that you have a need for a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. We invite you to come and respond in that way. And as we close, we, we, get to, we get to stand on the authority of the Word. There's this beautiful prayer in the book of Ephesians that, that Paul prays, establishing this identity that we have in Christ that we are able to stand upon. So as we close, we're going to pray that together. <clears throat> we stand upon the identity that we have in Christ. We pray for spiritual sp strength, just as Paul did in Ephesians 4, 3, 14 through 21. And pray with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at 
www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.